0: everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Crushing On Podcast. Sorry if my voice sounds a bit scratchy. I do have the flu, but also with me here today, with the flu, is um, returning guests, uh, Steven Nagel and Dean Raval. Say hello, guys.
1: Hey. Hey, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, <laughs> What's
0: up?
2: Thanks for having us back.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming back. Um, so, today on the show, we are going to have a little roundtable. About the film, Bo is Afraid. So, for those of you who have not heard or seen Bo is Afraid, you're gonna to have to watch it before listening to this episode. So, this is your warning. This is not a spoiler-free episode. There's gonna be spoilers galore. Um, Bo is Afraid is from the director Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and Midsummer, and it follows this guy named Bo. And that's all I'm gonna say. So, I actually want to ask you guys if if somebody had to ask you, how would you describe Bo was afraid? What would you say? <laughs>
1: um, so I've been thinking about this and it was my immediate reaction. It's three hours of mommy issues. That is, <laughs> that is our, <laughs> the shortest way I can describe it. Yeah. 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 Three hours of mommy That's issues.
2: just a fever dream of anxiety, basically. <laughs> it's just non-stop, like, what is going on? But, like, still interesting but it's still like there's so much coming at you all the time it's just like complete fever dream yeah
0: so what was your experience in the in like in the cinema watching it with other fans um, other fans other um moviegoers like what was that experience like
1: mm. so uh we actually went to an advanced screening uh, of this um and so it wasn't like super full um and I think a lot of the people there were there to review it, possibly. So I'm guessing the audience was kind of just, you know, there for, like, a certain objective. But I found myself, like, laughing a lot. It was, it's Arias' it's, funniest movie, I think. Mm. And also just laughing because of how shocking certain things are, like, that just happen, like, almost every, like, few seconds or few minutes in the film. Um, I think we were, I was probably laughing the most in the cinema because I've got a crazy <laughs> sense of humor. Um, but there were some like, what the fuck moments from people around me. Um, just like people reacting like and shaking their heads or like just looking around in bewilderment, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, that's how it was for me. Um, from what I could observe, cause we were sitting right at the back. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we, knew, we saw a few people that um, are also, like, um, journalists and, like, re- movie reviewers and stuff that we know from, like, socials. And, um, yeah, a lot of people, I think, are, like, cinephiles so they could appreciate. Like, they're used to sitting three hours mm-hmm. watching some kind of, like, obscure movie. Um, but, yeah, the reactions that, that we could get from people, like, even myself. Like, there were moments where I was literally, like, what the... I can't, can we swear? Yes, we can you can We can swear. It? I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I literally looked at Nagel, who was like next to me, and I was like, "Is that a thing?" Like, there's one specific moment, and I don't know we can do spoilers, but like, it happens towards the end of the film, right? Where he, he's where they go to his mom's. Obviously, without context, some of this won't, won't mm-hmm. make sense. But obviously, people who are listening to this. I'm assuming have seen the movie. When they go to when he goes to his mom's funeral, and they have like an open um, <laughs> casket, but she has no head. <laughs> And I looked at Nagel and I was like, why would they do that? <laughs> why would they just have literally, an literally an like you know, <laughs> I she was like wearing a nice suit and it was like hey, no head, but it's yeah. an open casket. I couldn't believe the audacity. But I was like, that it has full of those kind of moments where it was like really weird. But yeah, super funny. Like I, I had reservations about going to watch it just because I'm not the um the most um avid Ari Asta fan as opposed to Nagel, like I saw Midsummer for the first time a few months ago. So, cause I just heard about his reputation for being, having like really like intense um, sort of graphic films. And then when I, I saw some of the like reviews and stuff for this one, ahead of time. And I was like, this is like crazy. Um, I'm not sure if I want to watch this. And then he was like, yeah, we should go. So then we did. And I was like bracing myself for this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was way funnier than I thought it was going to be. That's the first thing I think I told Nagel was like, it's a lot funnier. I thought it was going to be more, like, traumatic and, like, chilling or whatever. But it was super hilarious, actually, for most of the film. As much as it was fucked up as well.
0: It took me so long to laugh because I was, like... I was, like, am I supposed to be laughing? Like, I was very aware of, like, what yeah. I was watching. I was, like, am I supposed to be laughing for this? But, um, yeah, I, when I went to watch it a bit afterwards and it was... It was only like probably 10 15 people in the cinema and I assume they were all there for you know to see an Arias film but um, yeah the, the amount of times I just saw people like huh Like, what is happening <laughs> and in there I was just like I was just like, I, like I think at one point I was just like like went like huh? out loud because I was like I don't
1: yeah, like, like I don't know anymore
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but the funniest part for me was like as the film ended like um, obviously the film ends on like a very dour note but then the credits just start like rolling and everybody's just mm. sitting yeah. there like they're watching a Marvel movie like waiting for for something uh, to happen, yeah. something to yeah. happen. <laughs> and then everybody just like slowly got up and like walked out like quietly um, like you at a funeral or something and I yes. thought that was so funny it was just like everybody was just like in their own heads like walking out one by one um, yeah, yeah. I feel like Ari Ari
1: Aster's got that ability to kind of, like, reach through the screen and grab you and say, hey, I'm pulling you into this experience. So you feel that discomfort and that anxiety yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it might be for different reasons. Like you said, like, it's almost like he's daring you to laugh at what he's showing you. You know, it's like, it sits on, like, this knife's edge where it could be very funny or very tragic, and sometimes both. And Mm -hmm. then it's almost like he's daring you to, like, laugh at this you know and it's it's uncomfortable and i think he he thrives in discomfort and mm-hmm. as an artist he thrives in that you know discomfort and audible feeling in, in your your gut basically so yeah
0: mm-hmm. so okay let's let's ask the question then what did you guys think of the film
2: So, I think the first thing we thought of, and we kind of agreed on, was that it was a bit too long. Mm-hmm. Like, it just felt like it was going on for a moment. Like, we thought, like, there's definitely a, a, a cut in there where that is, like, at least a half an hour shorter. Um, and even though they were, it was confusing at times, I really enjoyed the performances. Like, Joaquin Phoenix, like, is such a force. I'm a huge fan of his. And the, the blending of, like, his comedic and dramatic um, sort of talents... I thought that was fantastic. Um, Yeah, I just felt like it was a bit like it was going on a while. Like it got to a point where I was like, this didn't need to be as long as what it is. You know what I mean? And sometimes as filmmakers, you can embellish a bit and you can kind of like take liberties, especially with him. I think his track record was like, he he should be able to do this with his movie. But I felt like it was kind of almost slightly a disservice because it was like, it would have had more impact, I felt, Mm -hmm. if it was a little bit shorter and punchier. But, yeah, overall, I thought that was that was my big takeaway. It was a little bit too long, but I still enjoyed the experience, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I, I would say, as Dean said, we agreed on the point that it was too long. Um, like, if you watch the short that this was initially based off of, like which came out in, like, 2011, I think, or something, um, it's called Bow. And that's, like, just a few minutes long, and it, it basically gives you exactly the same... Emotion in terms of the severe anxiety, uh, but it's so punchy because it happens over like a very short space of time um, I thought the film was Pretty well done and I think everything had meaning um, But when it got to like the later like you know late second act and third act It was definitely like hammering home the very same point like really odd and um that didn't quite work for me, but I think overall, it's it was still worthwhile watching because that initial opening of just being pulled into someone else's anxiety and like walking in their shoes for like so long is, it's like going on a rollercoaster ride. So for me, that was uh, pretty enjoyable. And yeah, that's what I'll, I'll take away from the viewing experience um, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm.
0: I um I just want to say like when I watched it, I was not having a good time. I was like <laughs> I was like why? I was just so unhappy and I was just so uncomfortable <laughs> all the time. And yeah. and at one point I was like, I literally just want to take my phone out and and like Google what is what is going on in this film. Like no. that's how I felt. <laughs> but then I came home and then I just kept on thinking about it. And I was like thinking yeah. about um like the terror he felt when he was like, Oh, is he's is he's um is he's like what happened to his keys <laughs> and um, yes. are there people yeah. gonna come into his house? Like I was like I always have that fear. Like I'm yes. always scared that I'm gonna lock my yeah. like lock myself out by mistake or that, you know, I'm gonna lose control over a situation. And like his relationship with a girl, I kept thinking about that. And like I was just like so many parts of it like also like I'm somebody who's who does therapy like quite often and I'm like that the fear that the people you talk about in therapy is go- are going to hear what you talk about. Like you know yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. But like <laughs> that like insane fear. And I was like, it just he did it so well. Like he yeah. put like a like sort of like a voice or like a, a visual to these fears yes. that we're feeling so well yeah. that I was like, you know, I see the point of it. But, yes. you know, while I was in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What is this movie? What is happening mm. yeah. <laughs> over and over yeah. again?
1: And and I think Ari Aster is really good at that. Like, he takes a single idea or a single feeling and he stretches it out over, like, an entire movie. And with Midsommar, it was, like, grief and acceptance, you know. Um, And then Hereditary, it was kind of like, I would say you know, uh, generational trauma, and then also kind of like the impact that um, that mother-daughter relationship had on the entire family as well. Um, And then here as well, I think it's a lot about anxiety and also, once again, generational trauma. (laughs) So, and you know, the mother-son relationship specifically in this case. Um, And he just takes it out. He takes out a specific thing, and in this case, multiple things that are related to anxiety. And he just like turns everything up to eleven. Um and it's so insane. Because like at the at the beginning when they're showing Bo like running to his apartment and getting in at the last second and all the crazy mm. madness going on outside his his apartment building, I was like, That can't really be happening, right? That's <laughs> that's his view of the yeah. world that we are inside now. Yeah. But like you can kind of make that that leap and relate to it in terms of having an anxiety, maybe not about that specific thing, but you think about things that you are anxious about, and then you're like, mm. okay, I kind of get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I found that that pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I think um, it was really interesting, like, what, to, just to piggyback off what Nego was saying about, like, those kind of things that are happening outside, in his, this world, that's kind of like, almost being created by his own anxiety, right? It's hyper-exaggerated, and, like, basically inflated to the point of, like, sure, ridiculousness. But, like, he walks out of the, the, the therapist's office and there's a guy casually, like, looking at an AK-47. Mm. And it's just, like, like these are just happening in the street outside his <laughs> therapist's office. Like, it's weird. And, like, him having to run to <laughs> to his house to avoid getting a- attacked, I guess, by this other random guy. And it's, like, and you can tell that that's a daily occurrence for mm. him. like But how much of that is in his mind and how much of that is just, like, completely... Like inflated, basically, because of his anxiety, um I thought that was really interesting, actually, and in the way that it kind of this is like surrealism to it, where it's like mm-hmm. people yeah, there'll be shady people hanging out maybe down the street or whatever, mm. but like this is just pure chaos, and it's obviously something that has just been like in his mind yeah. the entire time, and it's such a big part of him uh of his day to day life and his personality that it's like affecting him in such a way, which I thought was really interesting
0: okay, I'm just gonna I know I'm gonna try and put like a logic here, but like his mother's so rich why does he love there
2: yeah. So, <laughs> yeah that could be a bit of a plot So I, I think was like, I mean, there was yeah, some sorry,
1: like hint at least when he was at her place looking at the wall and like all the the products mm-hmm. that she owns and the places and that and I think that was like probably one of the buildings or something I don't know maybe maybe I'm just yeah. making a a, a wild assumption
2: Yeah, I saw an analysis video where they were talking about, like, his mom has built this kind of empire on, like, she owns, like, a conglomerate of, like, they have a whole lot of different products and stuff that they sell, and apparently, like, if you look at all the different appliances around his apartment, they all have that logo of that corporation kind of thing, like, everything from the microwave to the whatever else, so um, there's that kind of thing of, like, She's all around yeah, him all the, all the time. This overbearing mother kind of thing, which I think is very much like a part of the theme of, of the entire mm. thing. Like, even if he wanted to leave his overbearing mother, he couldn't mm. get away from her, which I think is really, really interesting because it's like, you know, he's he's maybe actively trying to avoid that. I mean, you brought up the, the scene with the keys, right? And that was a really, like, sure. like, interesting scene for me personally because I was like, he has to phone his mom to say, like, he can't come visit her because... He lost his keys. Um, But then I was also watching this other video where they were talking about, like, what if that didn't actually happen? What if he misplaced the keys or, like, just put it somewhere? But because he didn't want to feel bad about Mm. disappointing his mom, he had to come up with a story about how the keys just, like, got lost or disappeared. And there's this kind of conflicting thing in his mind where he's like, I feel guilty about what I'm doing. But I also feel like I don't want to see my mom because... Maybe she's too overbearing Mm. or maybe I just can't handle that pressure or whatever the case may be. So he's like conflicted in that phone call, which is a really cool scene. And I think Joaquin Phoenix plays it really well as well. Because you kind of get that sort Mm. of thing of he wants to please his mom in certain instances. Like when she's she's quiet for a bit Mm. and there's like that guilt trip that happens when she's like really quiet. And then she starts speaking. And you can tell he's like, oh, but please don't like, Mm. don't hate me. But at the same time, it's like there's the push and pull where it's like, I don't want to see you. So maybe I'm going to fabricate yeah. this whole thing about losing my keys kind of thing. It's a really interesting thing because that's open to interpretation, mm. right? Like, you never really know what's real or not. Guys, which I think Guys, speaking the,
1: of the, the, the bra above the the, the, <laughs> the bathtub, man, sweating no, on No, that him.
2: scene was <laughs>
1: What on earth? <laughs> Listen, out of everything in the movie and these crazy things we'll discuss later, including the <laughs> the tolly in the attic. But this, <laughs> bra it was... About I don't his why, was so why was he scared?
0: Why was you so what? scared? Just come down. <laughs> yeah. Why was he like why was he just uh, there the entire
2: time? Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> so even.
0: just come I mean, down, like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy a drink
1: any, for anyone who can tell me what that I was doing there and the purpose of him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, at no one idea. point at one point, I think it was when like when all the people came into his apartment. And while he was getting the water and stuff like that, and I was like, Bo's w- really wants to live. Because at this point, I'm like, mm. I'm giving up. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 and that just, and you know, that's like the first <laughs> half of the, I mean, the first like quarter of the movie. I'm really like, if I was him, I would have given up already. any, like,
3: yeah.
0: screw this. I don't want to live this <laughs> badly.
1: <laughs> it's so intense. <laughs>
0: So so which, like, anxiety or plot point resonated with you the most?
1: Sure. Um,
0: mm, that's an interesting one.
1: That is an interesting one. Let me think about that quickly. I think maybe not. The, I mean, oh, sorry, yeah, ben, you that's can okay. read It's fine.
2: No, I was just going to say, like, there's, like, I mean, you get different types of, like, anxieties, right? But, like, I think social anxiety... Um, for me, for a lot of it is also like something that's kind of a little bit subtle and under the surface, but like, it's one where it's like, he doesn't really know how to, to act around people. And he's kind of had this sheltered kind of life. So that's one of those, like, I know social anxiety, for example, is caused by a lot of different things. You know, it's like the history of being bullied, of having over overprotective parents, um, public humiliations and stuff like that. It's like that can all to have a factor in this kind of social anxiousness. And um, I thought that was also prevalent there because he was meeting a lot of people throughout the journey of the film, right? And it was always like this little sort of thing of, you know, how is he going to get along with these people and what kind of relationships and interactions are he going to have with these people? Um, which I thought was maybe not as um, obvious as some of the other anxiety-inducing and anxiousness moments, but like I thought that was really interesting, you know, that sort of element to it.
1: Yeah, for me, I think, obviously, obviously not to the degree of this, but just the anxiety around relationships and sex as well, you know, like, the idea in society that, that, you know, especially when you're younger and growing up, and I think a lot of people are told that it's like, you know, even in the education system, if you have sex, like, bad things are going to happen, and I think, in the modern age, that is changing, you know, there's more like sex positivity, and teaching people about that especially younger people but I think when I was growing up at least it was very much like like super taboo you mustn't think about that you mustn't do that um and then you end up kind of like exploring on your own when you get older so yeah I think that that did resonate with me quite a bit as well in terms of the story
0: um yeah no I agree with you guys um as I said like for me the most of it was stressful the therapy one probably most of all but like i yeah. saw so much when he's when he's running down that road i saw so much of me yeah. coming walking home from the station every day and and mapping out my route to make sure that yeah. i don't go like don't like get any danger on the way or knowing where mm. like having enough outs and that sort of thing and even when he's like trying to get to the to the to the store with the water and like Leaving the um, the telephone thing there, and it was just like telephone book. It was just like there was so much of that that I was like, "Oh my god, this is me. This is me." Mm. Like so much, yeah. um, which and it's like I think like nobody wants you don't want to be Bo. Like he's living this kind of sad sack life, and and I think it's yeah. a great example of what happens when you give in to all your anxieties. But mm. um, yeah, it's like you don't want to be that, but you also you know you do see yourself in that.
2: Exactly.
0: um yeah so what is the craziest aspect of the film for you
1: okay listen <laughs> the Tully monster in the attic for me is <laughs> just is
2: that canon is that no, we're gonna call that yeah you know but... we're
1: keeping it local for our international <laughs> <Okay>. listeners <laughs> listeners the yeah, yeah. the penis monster the giant penis monster in the attic um that is a representation of his father um, I guess, or is his father according to his mother? Because his mother, his mother's mm. story of the world is canon, right? Because it's his POV, yeah. and his mother controls his POV of the world. So, yeah, I think for me that's when it just went completely off the rails, like this <laughs> giant penis monster with claws that kills the guy that runs in me, yeah. and I was just like, what? Like I get the metaphor. But it was just like so insane for me, like that was.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. They're...
2: I I, I want to piggyback off of what Nagel was saying about um like the mom controlling his kind of like viewpoint of the world and stuff. Like for me, one of the craziest moments was when he when he had sex with his with his crush mm. from the from the cruise, and then she died, and that was like that was pretty hectic because like because he had this idea in his head that if he was gonna have sex with her he was going to die because that's what happened to his father. Right. According to his mom. And I, I I thought about that as well in terms of like the, the reason why she would tell her son that. And like for a part of it could be that like, maybe she told him that because she didn't want him to like fall in love with someone. She wanted him to be part of her life the entire mm. time. So like anything to dissuade him from having a romantic relationship with someone from having sex and i mean we can get into the whole oedipus nature of that thing as well but like there's yeah there was something really interesting about that whole thing of like she was controlling every aspect of his life even the fact that she wanted him to be so scared of intimacy mm. like right to have this kind of thing where he almost escapes it on a daily basis like the mm. fact that he says he will wait Your... for i think her name was elaine that was so tragic he's gonna wait for like, that's crazy, because that means that he has not had any romantic relationship with anyone for that long. And maybe in his mind, he was justifying it as, oh, I'm waiting for the, the my crush from the cruise. But at the same time, it was like that was his reasoning for not having a relationship. And therefore, his mom was winning in that sense, because she he, he became dependent on her, or at least she was the only kind of figure that he could really love in his life. Um, so it's like it's crazy manipulative and like there's guilt happening there, but it's like I thought that was really interesting. And the scene itself where they have sex, which is so awkward, it's like I've seen yeah. awkward film yeah. scenes in the past, but that was weird. And like and then when
1: she's frozen then her in her place as well, and they get
2: off. her away, yeah, like exactly in the oh mom's bed, God. and then she hits rigor mortis like immediately, <laughs> like she's just like stuck. and I'm like, oh no, that was that was rough, so weird. <laughs>
0: I was just saying that, like, the penis monsters, like, section for me was like, I was like, you know what? I'm just giving up now. Like, whatever <laughs> you say, I agree. Like, I'm not even going to try and work this. Up. Because I must say, before that, when they kept on showing, like, the whole chapter thing, I was like, there's mm-hmm. something that's going to be revealed. Like, he has a secret twin. Like, yeah. you know, there's... Yes, I
2: thought that as well. That was one of my theories. I
0: was like, well. you know, his father is dead or, you know, there's some, or there's something there and then mm. it was this and i was like kind of disappointed and i was kind of just like you know what but then i was also like how did that guy from the other people the the guy that was after him how did he get so high up to be in the attic window
2: <laughs> like, like, oh the, he was
0: the, just the, the soldier
1: wait so the logic is there's a 16 foot penis monster but how did this guy get <laughs>
2: yeah i love that i love
0: you're it you're like no the penis monster is canon i was like what is he <laughs> like, like, it just doesn't make sense like does can you fly <laughs> what is going on <laughs> but, but there was a point i was like huh then i was like is he really there but then i was just like you know what what happens yeah, now yeah. happens and exactly. um <laughs> but yeah for me that was a silly point where i was like what the? i was just so i must like the whole thing with like when he when when that guy at the play was like i know your father he's still alive mm. i was like yeah. what was the point of that other than to like create doubt in him maybe but i was like yeah you know i was just like i wanted to know more and I'm just like am i trying to create a mystery where there is no mystery yes. and like you know i suppose it also it's like you know we, we go to familiar tropes and familiar storylines that feels mm. like makes us feel comfortable yeah. and like Safe, yeah. what he's doing is just like showing us like nope none of these things matter like mm. yeah. you know you don't fall into your familiar traps. you're gonna be like disappointed you've got to like not expect anything
1: that's such a great point actually because if you watch like his last films as well you'd kind of expect like a pretty um an ending that won't kind of go where you expect it to, or, like, no happy ending. Like, I don't think any of these three features have had, like, a happy ending, really. Um, Debatable for Midsummer, but depending on how you view that. But, um, yeah, I think part of uh, getting you out of... um, Or, or sorry, like, getting you into that anxiety is the lack of control that you have over the narrative as well. So it's like... Mm you feel like you can't actually control this narrative you know it's not going to go where you expect it to go and i think that's part of the meta nature of the story where it draws you even further into that anxiety because you're like why is this three act not taking us on the the hero's journey you know like why is he why is it not resolving you know why is the third act not you know, coming to a a climax, lol. Um, (laughs) Like, why is it not sorting itself out by the end, you know? Um, So I think that's part of the anxiety that he's he's evoking in the audience as well. Um, So yeah, I think it's really meta in that sense.
0: And the play within the play um where they do take us on an entire hero's journey i i'm I'm sorry i was so lost at that point i was just like you know what like i forgot we were watching a play at some point i was just like Mm. (laughs) i was just like this this is what i'm on now this is the path i'm going on i did actually quite like that part because i thought it looked very nice
2: yes yeah aesthetically it was very very Mm. cool yeah i was but Mm. at the moment uh, when i was watching it as well i was like how why are we here? Like <laughs> yeah. this is such, such a detour to what we were watching. Honestly, I, I was yeah, like
1: I was checking my messages at that time. I was like, Okay, I'm trying to <laughs> no. check out here. Yeah, like it looks cool. Yeah, that was I a saw section in the trailer, it looks cool. But I just there's a couple of messages I need to check quickly to like, so an important email, and then I'll clock back in later. Um for me that was like the portion that they could have just cut out and got the two two and a half hour cut. Um
0: But what what was the point of that? To just show us, uh, somebody, <laughs> just show us how, like, what could happen, or what he wish would happen? Yeah.
1: But then it also ends it's bad. Strange, like, like, it's it's, very it's, so I think it's just like, he's so stuck in the cycle of his anxiety and the cycle of being trapped by his mother, that he can't escape at all, no matter which mini arc he's going through within the journey, because... The overall arc he does not Escape, but then also in that arc, like, he gets all the way to the end and he's with his sons and that. And then he tells them, I've never been with someone. And then they are like, well, then how are we here? And then that (laughs) whole thing (laughs) is ruined. And it's like, (laughs) mommy wins again. (laughs) Like, yo, shame, bro.
0: But, like, I don't get that because, like, in the story they're like, you have sex, so you have children. So I'm yeah. like, they answer that in the story. Like, why are we saying this again? <laughs> I don't
1: know. Maybe um, it was a projection yeah. of what he he felt like was his story, but then it couldn't be because of the fact that he hasn't been with anyone. I don't know. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> More questions than answers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, 100%. So I just have, like, um, another one more question about the film like and this is me asking you guys what do you because <laughs> i don't understand but i saw this review that said that like that that Bo's mother could have controlled his whole life because she mm-hmm. owned the building that he lived in that you know she could have i mean she elaine worked for her and then the like the roger guy that was surveilling him they could have also been working for her so what are you what is your thoughts on that
2: yeah, I think um, it was really interesting. Like, I one of my favorite movies is The Truman Show, right? And I got like Truman Show esque vibes when he was at that family, the 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 doctors and and the crazy teenager and the weird PS, PTSD uh, veteran guy. But anyway, so he's there, and then there's that moment when he like sees the TV, and it's like fast forwarding mm. through what's currently happening, sure. and then Perfect, yep. she passes him a letter. Um, the, the mother passes him a letter that says, like, don't incriminate yourself, yeah. I think it was, or something to that effect. And I was like, What? Like that's crazy, because that means like is that does is everyone in on this kind of thing? Yeah. Which the, that was like a big thing for me. I was like, I don't know if it's him against everyone. I don't know if this is all in his mind. I don't know. But I thought, yeah, that was really, really weird. But at the same time, I was just like. I could could latch onto that if that was the case, right? If it was one big like, oh, Truman Show kind of vibe. But yeah, no, that that was what I thought basically was happening there at that moment.
1: So from my side, I think yes. But I think everything that happens, like that you see on screen, doesn't happen as you see it. Like obviously it's his perception of how things are happening. But I think his mother did control like, like she she did it as a whole ploy to make him feel like crap for whatever, for for not coming yeah. through to her for missing his flight. <laughs> I don't know, like and also I have just to like being that. An
2: overbearing. Mother, like is one of that's that's one of those things where she's like she wanted to be she wanted a helicopter parent him yeah. the entire time. Like, that, that maybe that that's something that I thought was happening. Like where she was literally kind of watching him throughout the entire Mm. events of the film and previously. Like, maybe it was one of those things where she was controlling, she was puppet mastering him, manipulating him, but obviously not to the point of just, like, her enjoyment. She maybe just wanted to um, be as overprotective and kind of, like, she wanted him to rely on her more than anyone else. So, I don't know. I just thought, I think that him, his mother was definitely the type of person who could have controlled a lot of elements of the story. I don't know how many though. I don't know how much of it was just her controlling him and how much of it was him like completely exaggerating what was happening, Um, which I think is another thing. Like it's all perspective and like kind of what you think is happening.
0: So, um, so, okay. Final thoughts on the film favorite parts, worst parts. What do, what are your final thoughts?
1: Um there's another part that I also thought <laughs> what the fuck and I, I thought it was like weird was when, when that girl drinks the paint.
2: <gasps> Ooh, oh, yeah.
1: What on earth was going on there?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there was another what the fuck I mean. There
2: was a whole, that that relationship <laughs> and that kind of interaction with her was weird like people were saying like he's got like so much of a, of his anxiety was like like, on show, even, like, him kind of having this fear of a younger mm. generation thing, because there's that scene yeah. where they're driving around and they're, like, like convincing the him to smoke mean, weed, <laughs> and I was just, like, <laughs> shame in this poor guy, but at the same time, like, what the fuck is happening? And then to
1: something else, and then it's, like, ah. Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but her just freaking off paint is, Yeah, oh, that was crazy. What on earth? I was, like, what?
1: Um But, yeah, overall, for me, I thought the film was a good entry into... Ari filmography, he once again proves that he can take very simple ideas or emotions and really, like, bring you into those in a very versatile way that's, like, very uncomfortable and intense. Um, I think this is his least accessible film, uh, just because it's not a straight-up, you know, um, like, Hereditary is a, a horror film. Um... Midsummer is kind of like a drama with hotter elements, but not supernatural hotter elements. And um, this one is kind of like a very serial drama comedy, I would say. Mm. Um, way funnier than I expected it to be. And a good film, but a bit long. I would say if you have like some edibles or something and you want to watch it, <laughs> like maybe you'll <laughs> enjoy it. But um, yeah. It's I think it's just a bit too long. Um I hope that because Ariaste has like um a director's cut of Midsummer, for example, that's pretty long as well, which we watched a couple months back. But I think he kind of needs someone to reel him in a bit, um, and just mm. to work with someone that can, you know, get him to present his ideas in a way that's kind of more um accessible to audiences. Because uh, if he continues on this path, then I think he's going to become very, like, his work's going to become more and more inaccessible. So I'd like to see him just rein it in a bit and still focus on his, his strengths, which is his ability to tap into emotions.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think just, yeah, to echo what, what Nagel says, like, I think... His filmography has been so great so far, and this is one that's going to be a... I think it's going to be known as maybe one of his more devices, divisive films. Um, who knows what his films are going to look like going forward, but like, I think this is also going to be one that's going to be remembered for how divisive it is. Um, I think, yeah, also very long, but the, the performances are really good, I think. And the comedic nature of it, I think, kind of sets it apart as well. Like, it tackles a lot of real themes, but it's very funny and um, as much of it is what-the-fuck funny, it's just like, it's kind of very universal humor as well. As much as it is inaccessible um, for his standards, I feel like there's certain... like even There's a guy who's naked and he stabs people. Like, that's fucking crazy. Like, we didn't even mention that. That's how bad... Like it, it got to like yeah. where there was so much fucked up shit happened. We've done like I don't know how long this podcast has been going now, but we haven't mentioned a naked <laughs> so guy up. On, <laughs> on the news. On the news,
0: is like they say he's, yeah, like, he's uncircumcised and like they describe yeah. him and white <laughs> like that <laughs> so, was <just>, his yeah. <laughs> description. Birthday boy wasn't he? Birthday boy?
1: Yeah. He, so yeah. Oh, like, so <laughs> crazy. Uh, you know what I was just thinking now, like uh, like all the stuff that we're talking about. If someone listens to this podcast without having watched the film, they're going to be like, what? Oh, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> like, are they making
2: this movie up on the spot? <laughs> like, are they literally just creating this out of nothing? It's
0: so fucking crazy. The rigor, rigor mortis. And <laughs> immediately. I was, just, I was like, why is she so stuff? Like, yeah, <laughs> can <Yeah>. they just?
1: <laughs> she's stuck in that position.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they just carry her out like it's nothing.
0: Like she's a statue. <laughs> oh, but so, it must also yeah. make you wonder, like, what is the what is that stuff seen like? Yeah. If that's like nothing, then you know they must have seen some like pretty messed up stuff some over the stuff, years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Also, the, you were speaking about the therapist, right? But, like, he, he's so... In the early, like, parts when he goes to therapy, the guy's mm. so comforting in that. And then he becomes so sinister later on when mm. he returns. Yo, But he's, like, he's got the same demeanor, but he just, like, softly yeah. laughs. And it's like, yo, this is so sinister. I was just like, that is wild.
0: I was, like, yo. upset because I was like... I lo- Obviously, we, we all like this actor and, like... <laughs> He's just so like yeah. nice. I just don't want to think of it as being this like bad guy. It just made me... But Patty LePone, I thought she was so great. Oh my gosh. I was yeah. obviously you know, you she's obviously a theatre actor and you see on T V sometimes, but like she was like such a how do I say like such a powerhouse in this film. I thought yeah. she was definitely, yeah, definitely like you know, Joaquin was obviously great, but I mean she was also a highlight for me. Yeah
2: supporting cast was really mm. good like as well like as much as I'm praising Joaquin Phoenix like, Nathan Lane everyone else was also bringing oh Nathan Lane was fantastic oh my, oh my word I was so when I saw him come on screen because I didn't know he was in the uh, film I was yeah. like hey there's Nathan Lane oh that's and so good. what was going on the what was <laughs> I feel like
1: that's just the, the theme here that's no, just the no, theme no, every theme, the theme every sequence you can literally... what was going on me the... <laughs> every child. 15 minutes
2: like what
0: is going the on the child here? that died in action <laughs> like i'd oh, hate that i wanted to laugh every time <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah the,
0: uh, gosh this film there was something else i wanted to say now um still about this i don't know but um yeah it was it was a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> it
1: was
0: and thank you guys for helping me sort of, like, dissect it. As much we, as tried, we, did, yeah.
1: we tried. We tried. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll take a few more years before anyone knows anything yeah. close to what you meant by this yeah. film, but we tried.
0: But you know what I liked about it was that, you know, the whole point... Not the point, but I mean, like, you, the school of thought that cinema is supposed to start conversation. Yes. And, like, invoke feeling in you and bring up yeah. things. I thought that this film does it so well without even like you know yes they spell it out but they also don't spell it out like the subtext Mm. and the whatever it's it's just everything was just i think it was done well i mean obviously there's parts that i didn't like and there's parts i didn't get and but you know there's some like i didn't walk out there thinking it was a waste like there was something you could take from it so i think that's what i liked
1: yeah i think um a lesser director would have kind of spelled everything out to you at the by the end. Where it would have been like it would have taken you through the back rooms and show the mother's um setup to how she controls everything in the world around her. Um and the people and her staff, like they would have showed you behind the scenes how everything fits together. But I think um Ari Aster just leaving a lot up to interpretation. I love that because You know, I mean, Dean and I, we write as well. And often when we do get some feedback, it's always like, is your audience actually going to pick up on this and that? And it's like, no, actually audiences are smart and they can deduce things. And even when they can't deduce things fully, as long as the themes are strong, it creates conversations, it creates debates. And I think that's important because cinema is like a form of art and literature where Um, It's supposed to be engaging. You're supposed to converse and discuss and debate um, what's going on in it. So I like that. I can appreciate it for that.
0: Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this before we go. um, what, What what do you have coming up? Like what do you guys have any films in the pipeline you want to tell us about?
2: Yeah, okay, I'll go. Um, yeah, so at the moment, we've got a couple of projects that we're working on. One is an animated film set in the same universe as our current short film, uh, Protégé, um, which is kind of a thriller um, dealing with issues of gender-based violence. So the the other film that we have is called Plunder, and that's more animated, so it's a different kind of medium for us, but it takes place in the same uh, universe, which is really cool. And then, yeah, we've also just we're doing a big festival run for Protégé at the moment um so hopefully we'll be able to do that uh get get into some really cool festivals and just writing a bunch of scripts and you know working on we go we're working on a i oh don't
1: know i think dean might have got cut out here by low cheating um i'll continue we are working <laughs> on a <laughs> um so protege is our short film it's a thriller um about a group of women who form a vigilante group that goes after um people accused of gender-based violence and this uh, short film is basically a conversation around the justice system and um, how unfair it is and kind of like how justice fails people on a daily basis. So it's not so much about the specifics happening in there, but it's about the conversation around justice and the questions that we have about how justice operates in society, in modern society. Um, so Plunders, the the other film that we have, um, that also takes place in the same universe. and then. We are busy, uh, it's early days, but we are busy adapting our short film, um, me and I into a feature at the moment. So can't talk much about that yet, but that is in the works. And uh, we've also just joined a writer's room for a, um, a sitcom series that's in development at the moment. So yeah, we, um, we've got some things in the pipeline that we're really excited about. So that's what we've got going on.
3: Wow. Oh,
0: that's a lot, wow. <laughs> Um,
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: but thank you guys again so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for
2: having.
1: Thank us you coming. for having us. We yeah. always love talking to you about <laughs> film and culture. Yeah. And
0: yeah. Back to Fam 101. What if, uh, One Hundred yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One. whatever One Thousand? Yeah, Fam. Oh, <laughs> oh, word. That's a
3: throwback. <laughs> That's all from me this week. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash crushing on pod, where you can get some bonus content in exchange for a monthly financial subscription. To catch us on social media, you can find me at Karen Walby on Instagram and at Karen Welby's with an S on Twitter. The podcast can be found at crushing on pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. You can find more information about this and all our other episodes at our website crushingonpodcast.com and send any feedback to mail at crushingonpodcast.com The show is produced by me, Karen, Rebecca Barches and Leanne Philipson Our logo was designed by Nathifa Marouf If you like the show, tell everyone that you can, any way that you can. Keep up to date with all our episodes by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as it helps others find the show. We'll be back soon with another in-depth conversation. See you then.